I am thankful that you're here today and um, it's exciting. We, um, this is new for me. For the last six years, I've not been uh, home for Father's Day. I'm typically in another country that I love dearly, the country of Kenya, and have many friends uh, doing training pastors and teaching pastors. And, and so um, uh, I, I, I'm excited to be here, but there's just a little part of me that still wishes I was there. My wife understands that. I texted my buddy the other day and said, I, well, I so wish I was with you right now. And, um, but it's good to be here. Amen. It's good to be here uh, to celebrate fathers. And uh, I'm going to preach this morning. Um, hopefully I didn't wear it all out first service. I don't think I did. But um, I'm excited. Amen. I'm excited to see your faces. Fathers, it's a good day. And God has called you to a great task. And uh, I want to encourage you this morning. This ain't going to be a beat you up sermon. This is going to be an encourage you sermon. How many of you like fighting? It's okay. I like, I was raised on fighting. My brother, my brother is much larger than me now, but uh, we were a couple years apart. He was two years younger than me. And we just, it was like every day, just wake up. What are you going to do? We're going to fight today. At some point in time in the day, we're going to get in a fight and we're going to figure it out one way or the other. We're going to figure it out. Amen. Some of you are like, oh my goodness, he's going to talk about fighting. I can't, uh, uh, uh. Calm down. Hey, I do want to say uh, that we are in a fight. We're in a spiritual fight and we are, um, as many of you know, we are launching a church in Morgan County, West Virginia. And Berkeley Springs specifically. And yeah. So June 28th, uh, that's next Sunday uh, at 6.30 in the evening. If you are, uh, especially if you're a resident of Morgan County, we ask you to be there. Uh, We're going to meet at the high school in Berkeley Springs. Uh, If you drive west on Route 9, you come to the stoplight right there. Uh, between Route 9 and 522, Roy's is on your right and the old Sheets is on your left. It's not insurance company. Uh, if you turn left there and keep driving, you will see the high school on your right. That's how easy it is in Berkeley Springs. Amen? You turn one way or the other when you hit 522. So we're going to meet there at 630 and we're going to divide up in teams and we're going to pray circles around Berkeley Springs on the 28th of June. So... If you're part of Hope Community Church, even if you don't live in Morgan County, you want to participate in that, we encourage you to be there. Chris and Faith Simmons, uh, who are lo- going to be the location pastors there, are going to organize it. And and we're going to just pray around Berkeley Springs that, that God's glory would be revealed. Amen? And, uh, and use us to do it. And we're excited about that. So June 28th, make sure you're there. Write it down in your calendar one week from today. I hope to see you there at 630 in the evening. Everybody got that? All right, I'm going to get into this. It is Father's Day. It is so good to see you. And um, it's good uh, people online. We thank you for participating. I know they're at Mountaineer Recovery Center. And, um, and we actually have a recovery group meeting here now on Friday nights. And so um, 
just thankful for all the work that's put into um, seeing people on the path of recovery. Amen? And I know there's some guys at Fort Detrick Fire Department still watching and all over the place. We welcome you this morning and thankful that you're part of the family. But we're going to talk about fighting today. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 11. Why don't you stand to your feet in honor of the word. Ephesians chapter 6, Paul's writing to this to the church in Ephesus, verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and his shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Father, we thank you today. You've given us all we need. We pray, Lord, that we fight better because we were together today. Encourage every man in the house. Empower every man in the house to fight for their family. Thank you for this opportunity. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray who has overcome everything. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Hey, I want to thank everybody that put all the food trucks together and the prizes. I didn't realize we were giving that much stuff away. I'm like, you did what? We're giving away a smoker and where did we get that money? No, but I'm excited about that. As a family, go out there, enjoy. The, it, it's free for everyone. Go out there. You don't have to be a father. This is a celebration of fathers. That's like saying only fathers get to eat on Sunday. It's like all of y'all are going to sit around watching me eat because I'm the father. No, we all celebrate together. So go out after the service, enjoy the food trucks. And there's a photo, uh, a photo booth right there. Drag your dad in there and give him a big old kiss on the cheek. And get a picture of it. (laughs) Some of the dads just went. You're going to do what? We are in a fight. You know what I realized? You don't have to realize you're in the fight to be in the fight. Just because you act like you're not in the fight doesn't mean the fight's not happening. And what I've realized over the years is the quicker that I acknowledge that the fight is taking place, the better I am to deal with it. Paul doesn't say, well, if you want to put on the armor of God, it's fine. If not, somebody else will do it for you. It'll be okay. He says, no, put on the armor of God. Put on, put it on. It's a, it's, it's actually a directive to every Christian. Today we're going to focus on fathers and your role as, as leading the home. It's, it's a, 
Because I believe specifically fathers were called to fight. And if you grew up like me where you were fighting all the time anyway, you're like, yeah. Come on, can I get a little aggressive dads out here? Is there any aggressive dads out here? Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Just, just turn it down just a little. <laughs> um, we did. We just grew up fighting. And then after I got married, I got a job where it, it was crazy. I worked for a convenience store chain and I was in loss prevention. So we would fight people over $1.50 pack of cigarettes. And I thought, now I'm 44 years old and I'm looking back going, that was the dumbest thing. I got paid $8.50 an hour to get in fist fights with people stealing a $1.50 pack of cigarettes. This math doesn't work out. But it was fun. So what I realized, we had uh, our first kid. I was 22 years old. Some of you are like, that explains everything. I was only 22 years old. We had our first child, Madeline. She's now 21. And um, I, um, I don't want to say I'm ill-prepared, but I didn't. How many of you dads had, had kids early and you just, like, they just, you just went like, I don't know. Uh, kind of supposed to look something like this, but the kid's not being quiet, and I don't know what else to do. Because I was like, give me something to fight, somebody else can rock the baby. I don't know, I'm just not that nurturing guy, right? Yeah, unfortunately, my wife says. But what I did realize was that God had called me immediately to fight for my family. That this was, that as soon as I became a father, now there was, now there was people to fight for. And it was, and it was going to be an aggressive fight. The fight is on because what scripture tells me is that Satan has a unified message. You realize Satan's vision never changes. The vision of God is that none would perish. The vision of, vision of Satan is the equal and opposite. It also never changes. But it's exactly opposite. It's to steal, kill, destroy. John 10, 10 tells us he has come to steal, kill. I always want to make it rhyme. Kill and destroy. That's the thief comes to do that. So there's no equivocation. There's no, there's no question mark. There's no, well, we can snuggle up with Satan every now and then as a family and everything will be fine. No, as soon as we embrace just a little bit of it, the killing starts, the stealing starts, the destroying starts. He is unified in his message. And so what happens is we understand then as fathers, there is instantly a fight that has to take place. This is not a debate about philosophy. This is a fight of life. This is a fight for family. This is a fight for, for a legacy. This is a fight for the future of your children. So it's not one that can be pushed off to somebody else or just hope somebody else can do it. So Paul writes, 
Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So what are the schemes of the devil? He is trying to kill you. He's trying to kill your kids. He's trying to kill your wife. He's trying to kill your coworkers. He's trying to kill your neighbors. He's trying to kill everybody that he can kill. And so Paul says, put on the armor of God that you can stand up against it. The problem is the fight is not with who you think it is. <laughs> as much as you think the devil is in your two-year-old, he's not. The fight is not with your two-year-old. The fight is not with your 16-year-old. Oh, I heard a couple. Mm. The fight is not with your 30-year-old kid. See, we forget sometimes if we think this fight is about flesh and blood and about what you believe and what I believe and what, what this and that and this and that. And sometimes our kids do things that we don't like and all of a sudden the fight becomes with them instead of with the one who's trying to destroy us all. And so Paul makes it very clear. If you're going to put on the armor of God, you got to figure out who you're fighting first. Because listen, there is... Mm, 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 mm. Careful, careful, careful. There is a concerted effort for us to hate each other right now. Jesus prayed the priestly prayer. Father, if they could be one, is you and I are one. The passion of Jesus was unity in the body of Christ. You know where that starts? Dad's fighting the right fight. The fight isn't between you and me. The fight isn't between some other person. The fight is in the spiritual realm. But what Satan has become good at is making us all hate each other. Who am I going to fight? Who am I, I got to get that I got to get that right before I put any armor on. The fight isn't a, isn't about people. The fight is about spiritual things. Paul writes this in verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. He said, you've got to figure out who you're actually fighting. Because watch this. Paul also writes to the Romans. And I paraphrase it like this. Be at peace with people and at war with the devil. Be at peace with people and at war with it. Yeah, but they, but they're trying to do something. Be at peace with people. Romans chapter 12, verse 14, 21. Watch this. Paul's writing to the Roman church. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be over, overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. We are not fighting people. We are fighting Satan. Amen. 
be at peace with people, and be at war with the devil. That's why you need the armor. We even the church has gotten this confused. So on Father's Day, we have to remember it's not your kids you're fighting. It's not your wife you're fighting. Although you may think the devil is in her at times. It's not your wife that that was a joke. Never said that. 24 years I've never said that. I thought it once and then I never said it. All the men just went, I don't Listen, men, the way we fight teaches our kids how to fight. Who we fight teaches our kids how to fight. Paul said, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That's not the fight we're having. Because that's a futile fight that never changes anything. But he said, if you'll put on the full armor of God, you'll fight the spiritual battle. You'll achieve victory. Because victory in the spiritual realm is guaranteed to you. Did you hear that? You're not fighting a losing battle when you fight in the spiritual realm. When you try to fight people, you are fighting a losing battle. Because Paul says, don't even fight, just bless them. Keep burning coals on their head. That's what he says. So here we are, Father's Day, we got to know who to fight. You got to realize the fight is going on and then you got to realize who to fight. Be at peace with people and at war with the devil. So here's the issue. The fight isn't about me as a dad. It's about the armor I'm going to put on. So we're going to go down through the armor. You ready? Say amen if you're ready. The first thing he says is put on a belt of truth. Put on the belt of truth. The belt was the core of the armor. It was only loosened when the fight is over. It's what the scabbard was attached to. It's what the scabbard is what you put the sword in. The sword was the only offensive weapon. But you had to have the belt on to have the scabbard to hold the sword. It was also what the breastplate was kept in place with. The belt of truth. The belt of truth. Paul says, put it on first. It's the core of what you're doing, of how you're going to fight the truth of the gospel. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to them, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Fathers, the truth is the best legacy you could ever leave your kids. The truth is the best legacy. So here's what I say. Tighten it up. Put the belt of truth on. That means if you have to apologize for something you did, apologize for it. Stop being so tough and be truthful. So you tighten the belt. Now, here's what I realize. I'm getting to the age. You pull that thing tight and a little bit hangs over. Were you laughing with me or at me? I'm trying to to gauge the crowd here. So watch this. Men, there is no time where you loosen the belt. It says they didn't loosen the belt till the fight was over. And to our very last breath, we will be fighting on this earth. Tighten that thing up. If it hangs over, tighten it up. Tighten it up. 
I need some older men in here that will tighten it up and let it hang out. Because they know the importance of the truth of the gospel and what it means for families and what it means. Don't get all self Pull it tight. If society doesn't like it, it didn't say the belt of truth was dependent upon modern opinion. It said pull it tight and keep it on. Pull it tight. Because I found out the shield is the next thing, or the the breastplate's the next thing, and God knew that when we get a little older, we'll be self-conscious, so he gave us the breastplate to cover it all up. (laughs) Pull the belt of truth tight and put the breastplate on. It's a slimming breastplate. It was like Spanx for men back in the day. <laughs> the belt of truth. You know what the best thing you can tell your kids? Jesus is the way, the, tr- the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by him. If you can instill that in your children, you're fighting the fight. You could lose every political battle, every social battle, and if you will instill in them Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. They will inherit eternal life. Forget about anything else. We're fighting for eternity. What am I going to tell them the most? I'm going to tell them the truth. You can't get to heaven any other way. You can't get there. You cannot get there. We wrap this, man, we wrap this belt around us and we don't loosen it up. Don't get wishy-washy and say, well, they got to, you know, they got to, I'm going to just let them experiment and they can figure it out on their own. Fight. We're fighting for the very souls of our families right now. And we need to tell them Jesus is the way. There's no truth outside of him. It's not what you feel like in the moment. It's not what's popular. It's the truth that Jesus Christ is our only salvation. Amen. So you tighten up that belt. I don't care what it looks like. Tighten it up. Because listen, if you're, if you're self-conscious about it, what it looks like, you'll take the belt off immediately. Can I just say this? There ain't nothing popular about Jesus is the only way to heaven. But he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but my me. I didn't make that up. That's not just some historic. Jesus himself said that. So then we find out, Paul says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate was typically made of bronze and covered from the neck to the thighs. I told you it was going to cover up the overhang. It covered all of your vitals. Everything that's important. If you hit me in the leg, I can still make it. If you hit me in the arm, I can still make it. But Paul said, we're going to we're going to cover up all the important stuff. Now listen, lean in to find out how we do that. Romans chapter 3 verse 21. It says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And are justified by his grace as a gift Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forth as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. 
It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. You know what Paul was saying here? Every man in the room looked at me. He was saying, you can't save yourself. He was saying, you can't be tough enough. You can't be smart enough. You can't make enough money. You can't, you can't work hard enough. You can't, you can't work the markets enough. You can't do enough to save your family. So he said, here's what I'm going to do. Jesus is going to die on the cross. And in the Old Testament, they used to have to earn it. It was under the law. And in the Old Testament, they would have to obey the law, obey the law. How are you righteous? By obeying the law. By doing what the law said. And then Jesus came because what happened was no one could do that. No one. But Jesus came, the only sinless man. And he died on the cross. And he rose again on the third day, which we've been talking about for months. And then God looked down and said, you don't have to do anything anymore. Just put it on. So you want to protect your vitals? Put on the righteousness of Christ and give up this self-sufficient, I'm a self-made man, I'll work it out on my own. The best thing you could teach your kids right now is that you're not good enough to to get saved. The, the, the thing that hurts me the most is when my kids do something dumb and we, I look at them and I realize they're just like me. <laughs> I stopped saying I would never do that. And I started saying, let's pray together. I'm just like you. Because what I needed them to see was not my own self-righteousness, but the righteousness of God covering me. If you're going to fight, your kids have to understand that you're not the last offense. He is. And if both of us go to him and get covered by the blood of Jesus, there's a confidence that will come over your family. That dad doesn't have to get it all right because the breastplate of righteousness is covering all our vitals. My kids need to understand that Jesus has covered me first. And that I'm fully aware of it. He's covered me. He's protected me. Not by any works, lest I should boast, but by the gift of God. His righteousness covers my heart. His righteousness covers the sensitive areas of my life. And man, can I tell you this morning, he poured it out for free. It's as free if you work 40 hours this week or 100. It doesn't get any freer. It's a free gift of God. He says, Paul says, you strap that belt of truth on and then you apply the righteousness of Christ and let the breastplate cover you. It's what we're teaching. It's how we're fighting the breastplate of righteousness. Then he says this, you got to put on the right shoes. The right shoes. Battles are won and lost on whether troops can march. Alexander the Great and Julius Caesar proved it. 
they, they put good shoes on their soldiers and they were able to march long distances at great speeds. Paul says, put the shoes of readiness on. The shoes of readiness. The shoes of readiness. You say, what's that mean? You got to be ready. You got to be ready to go into battle. Here's what that means. Man, you have to wake up in the morning confident that God has forgiven you and is forgiving you and will forgive you. There's a, there's a super important little, little teeny section of scripture in the Bible that says, there is now therefore no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Did I say that right? There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. 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 You know what that means? If I lay my head down on my pillow and I say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. The Bible says that he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. I'm forgiven at that moment. When I wake up the next morning, I am still forgiven of those things. I was asleep. I didn't have time to sin. I'm safe at night. You know what I'm saying? So, so here's the thing. I can't be ready to fight for my family if I'm always rehashing things I did in the past. And what Satan is so great at is keeping your mind divided about what you should be doing and what you've already done. And I'm telling you as a dad, you have to wake up in the morning confident that the forgiveness of Christ has covered you. You put on the shoes of readiness, the gospel of readiness. What does that mean? It means I'm forgiven and I can be ready to fight. Are you going to screw up? Yes. Every good man screws up. Read through scripture. Pick one that didn't and don't say Jesus. Abraham lies about his wife. Cain killed Abel. Keep, keep going. Just keep going. David has an affair. Kills the husband of the wife he's having an affair with. Keep going. Just keep going all the way down through. We just talked last month about Peter denying Christ. After Jesus looks at him and says, on this rock I will build my church. And Peter says... Hold on a second. I've got to screw this up for a little bit. Every good man fails. What qualifies you to fight is not that you're sinless. It's that you've been covered by the blood of Jesus. And so when you wake up in the morning with the confidence that his blood covers a multitude of sins, you don't have to rehash what you did. You can be focused on what he's called you to do. I had somebody one time ask me, do you regret, do you regret that? It was something I did 20 years ago. I said, man, I don't regret much at all. To which some might sound narcissistic. To me, it sounded like Jesus already forgave me of that. Why am I going to keep replaying the tape? The gospel of readiness, you better put on the fact that you are already saved and that you have been redeemed. You have been forgiven so that you can fight. There's nothing worse than trying to fight a battle in front of you, always looking behind. Stop it. Look forward. He has forgiven you. Amen?
Come on, if, you're, if your husband's sitting in front of you right now or sitting beside you, look at him and say, he forgave you. Now I'm going to get in trouble. Now look at him and say, I do too. <laughs> snuck you right into that one. Oh, I snuck you into that one. I snuck you right into that one. She almost said it. She went, I... Mm, that's a sneaky preacher right there. Just tell him. Jesus forgave you, I have too. Forget about it. It's time to fight. Be ready. Be ready. Paul then talks about the shield of faith. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. The soldier protected themselves with a large oval or oblong double wood layered. It was like, a, it was like plywood back in the day. They, they glued two layers of wood together and they covered it in linen and, and, and animal hide bound it up with iron. The reason they built them this way is they were big that you could get behind. Because the enemy would dip arrows in, in pitch and then fire them. Now an arrow is lethal in itself. An arrow is lethal in itself. But what, the reason the enemy did this was for residual value. An arrow could kill a man easily. But when you set it on fire, it not only kills the man, it burns up everything around it. That would have been a good place to say an amen because it's getting ready to get really, really good here. <laughs> Listen, I pictured this in my head as a big shield that the dad puts up, jams it into the ground, and then yells at the wife and kids and says, come on, get behind it. It's enough to cover us all. Because this is the issue with our culture now. We're not just dealing with what's happening. We're dealing with legacy. We're dealing with generational curses. The enemy has been dipping arrows in pitch for generations and we thought we stopped the arrow, but it burned the house down around us. And the shield was specifically designed to put out the arrow. Not just stop it from puncturing you, but it says it's specifically designed to put out the fiery darts of the enemy. So I'm telling you right now, man, whatever has plagued your family for generations... The shield of faith in front of you is designed to put that fire out. One top, done. It's over. This thing stops with me. This is not going to affect my family anymore. I'm putting the shield of faith down. And every dart that's fired at me with flames will be extinguished when it hits it. I'm not letting this go any further. Satan's really good at residual value. Satan gets the best return on investment you've ever seen. Because he walks into a family, he's only got to destroy one generation. And then it's like dominoes. It's just got to keep going and going and going and going and going. You say, how do you do it? He put pitch on the end of the arrow and it started a fire that nobody expected. But the shield of faith says, no, 
that thing's over right now. Not anymore. Not in this house. Not anymore. It's not going to happen anymore. I'm putting it into it right now. So every, everything that's been said against your family, every, every, well, that's just how the Joneses are. Every single thing that's been accused of your family, just put the shield of faith down. No, not anymore. By faith in Jesus and in his name, this will stop with this generation. The shield is specifically designed to put out the attack. Men, the shield is specifically designed, the shield of faith, to put out the insecurities in your life about who God said you were. Maybe you grew up in a family where your dad didn't have anything good to say about you. The shield of faith protects you from that now. It's not true. It's not true. The Bible says you're a child of God adopted into his family. He picked you on purpose for the tasks that he laid before you, for the family that he put in front of you. And it doesn't matter what anyone said before he got to you. You were worth it. And you're still worth it. Put the darts out. Put the faith, put the shield of faith out there and watch the darts be extinguished. Now, the last thing, Paul includes these things together it's the helmet and the sword. Now, traditionally, what would have happened is there would have been an armor bearer standing beside the guy that was fighting, and he would have handed these two things at the same time. Here's your helmet, and here's your sword. I want to tell you something. When you get a helmet and a sword, you know it's ready. You know it's getting time. I don't even know if that's how you do it, but it looks good. The helmet and sword were usually handed to the soldier at the same time by the armor bearer. The helmet was made of bronze with leather attachments, and the sword was a two-edged blade that could cut and thrust. He said, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Ephesians 1, 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the gospel of his will. So that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard of the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. He's saying that Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. Now, this is why this helmet's so important. You've got to keep your head screwed on straight that this fight is not just to get a bigger house. This fight is for eternity. It's not just to have kids that don't screw up. This is an eternal battle. Because the Bible describes this life like a vapor, it says. It's here one day and gone the next. So why do we fight so hard? Because eternity is forever. And we have an opportunity to get our kids and our households behind a breastplate of righteousness with a belt of truth on and hide them behind a shield of faith and keep a helmet on that says, this is not about right now, this is about forever. And I'll never lose sight of that. Dads, we got to keep our heads screwed on straight. Then he says the sword. Stand to your feet. Finally, we get to play some offense. 
stab some devil. You know what's so exciting about this? Um, uh, if, you, if you read back during the life of King David, he had these guys that called the David's mighty fighting men. It tells a story about a guy one time who swung a sword for so long, killed so many men in battle that his hand froze to the sword. It literally said his body gave up before the sword did. That's what it was. It said, man, his hand just froze. You ever squeeze something for so long, you just like couldn't peel your hand? You were exhausted and couldn't do anything else. The sword wore you out. And if I look across this room, I know there's men in here that feel like the sword has worn them out. The sword you've been swinging. The problem is you've been swinging the wrong sword. Because what the gospel tells us is that the sword of the spirit, the word of God never wears you out. Matter of fact, the more you swing it, the stronger you get. Because this sword is not dependent on how physically fit you are. This sword is not dependent on how much money you make. This sword is not dependent on how successful you are in life. This sword is dependent on nothing else but the word of God. That's it. And it says when you swing it, you don't get tired. It strengthens you. It adds to you. It's the only sword that does that. You don't have to be a certain height to swing it. You don't have to be a certain weight to swing it. You don't have to be able to do a certain amount of push-ups to swing it. All it says is, swing the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Jesus teaches us how to do that. It says, Jesus was led by the Spirit, Matthew chapter 4, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It... He said, I ain't got nothing to say that ain't already been said. It's written. Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Fathers, you don't have to be tricky with work. It's already been written. Just pull it out and swing it. If you don't know what to do with your kids, pull it. Don't pull a sword out. Pull the word of God out. It's already been written. You don't have to come up with something clever. It's already been written. You don't have to come up with something. It's already been written. The offense that we have been given has already been written. So listen. There's something you need to understand about this. Paul says in verse 11, put on the full armor of God. Then in verse 13, he says, take on. literally means just assume what's already there. If I can convince you this morning, every man in this house, if I can convince you that this is not something that you earn, that this is not something that is based on your history, that this is not something based on your income, your strength, or your intelligence. It is something that Jesus Christ himself has provided for you free of charge. And there's an armor bearer standing beside you in the spiritual realm saying, hey man, I'm just waiting on you to put it on. So, the message Paul is sending us is men is this. Put on what God has already given you and fight for your family. It's going to look different and feel different than maybe what some of you are used to. But he's saying, put on what's already available. What Jesus 
Jesus for our sake. Put it on and become more than you could ever imagine. Lead your family better than you could ever imagine. Fight better than you could ever imagine. He has already won it for us. Amen? So here's what I want to do. There's a lot of families in here right now, a lot of fathers. If you're husband or father is standing beside you right now, just gather the family around us. Come on, just do that. We're COVID-19 safe. Just just family units. Family units. And I want you to... If somebody in your family already has COVID-19, all of you got it. Lay hands on them. And I want you to pray a prayer of confidence over that man right now. He is fighting something you can't see. He's fighting something that you can't touch. But he is willing to fight it on your behalf. He's willing to put the belt on, the breastplate on, the shield. He's willing to suit up and go to battle. And I want you to pray a blessing, a prayer of blessing and faith over him right now that he never loosen up the belt. Amen. Come on, let's do that. Father, I pray a blessing over every man in this house right now. Every father represented, every dad. God, that you would give them a holy confidence that you have equipped them, that you've dressed them for battle. That you've dressed them for battle. In Jesus' name, I pray that confidence will rise from this building. That you have given us everything we need to fight. That we're fighting an eternal struggle. But they are already victorious in Jesus' name. I come against every fiery arrow that the enemy will throw at them. And I pray in Jesus' name that you make them victorious. This is how we do it, church. Bless you.